You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Wednesday, a hump day here. I'm traveling for work, so I'm using a different recording device, so the audio quality might sound a little bit different today. But we're still going to cover this team, the New Orleans Pelicans, your favorite team, because it is a fun time to be a Pels fan. So today, we're going to look at Lonzo Ball, where he needs to improve. We're not going to look at his impact he might make. Simply, what does he need to do to be a better NBA player? I'm going to tell you, it's not his shooting. Going to throw a bit of a surprise at you. Then we're going to look at a surprise team that the Pelicans might make a trade with. It's a division rival. I'll let you know who that is. And then there are some changes to the broadcast coming for your New Orleans Pelicans, both in radio and on TV. I'll let you know what's going on there in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So Lonzo Ball, we know what he's good at. The passing, the defense, the basketball IQ, getting out in transition and running, all of those things. We know what he's going to bring to the team. And there's a reason I think a number of people are high on him compared to someone like Brandon Ingram, who probably does actually have the higher ceiling as a player that came over in that trade for Anthony Davis. So where does Lonzo Ball really need to make strides to improve as an NBA player? Everyone's going to look at his shot. We know his shooting in the NBA hasn't been good. You know, he was a very good college shooter, both um, from the field, from behind the arc, and he was pretty decent enough at the free throw line. But since then, he has really kind of fallen off when it comes to that shot. His form is gross, very unconventional, but you know what? If it works, it works, and it's something that he's worked a lot on and is still, from what I understand, refining to this day. So we could hopefully improve, though the sample size is small, both in the NBA and in college, so who knows what it really is. But that's not where I'm worried. It's another type of shooting, another uh, percentage that I'm concerned about, it, and it's that free throw percentage for Lonzo Ball. His career is just 43.7% of his times at the charity stripe under 50%. He's more than missing one out of every two. That's bad, and it affects him in other ways. This is a guy who is just terrified of getting to the line. For his career, his rookie year, 1.4 times to the line per game, and last season, simply getting to the line one time per game. He is not being aggressive, not trying to get fouled, not going to the rim anymore, because he's scared, entirely scared, of getting fouled and going to the line and missing free throws. And that has a huge impact on his game. Yes, he can keep the ball moving on the perimeter. In the pick and roll, he can make some nice passes. But when NBA teams really figure him out, when they see even more tape on him, he's only played 99 games in the NBA, not even 100. You could maybe say his injury history and his lack of availability is the number one thing he needs to work on. But if you just sag off of him, It's a huge, huge problem, and it just compresses the defense. It's going to make a guy like Zion far easier to defend. We remember when he played here in the Smoothie King Center last year, he was 2 of 15, 1 of 12 from deep in that game. Pelicans just gave him wide open space to shoot because they didn't think he could hit 
everything. And he basically missed it all. And you know what? He didn't even try and drive with all that room to get ahead of steam and get down court and try and make a move to the rim because he was terrified that if he got fouled, he'd go to the line and he'd miss. And he has got to change that. Aggression was something that they very much wanted him to work on in LA, something that he really wasn't able to do. Again, it stems from the free throw shooting. This is where it all comes together and would open his game so much if he's able to figure this out. So Lonzo Ball, despite all the talents he has, he's going to fit in defensively. He'll be good in the half court, not in the half court, in transition. And maybe that's where the Pelicans can really kind of build some confidence for him. But in the half court, which as much as they play in transition, they play in the half court more. Every NBA team does. You can minimize it by playing a ton in transition, but it doesn't take it away entirely or even more than 50%, let's say. He's got to get to the line and he's got to hit those free throw shots because otherwise it's going to be rough offensively. That shot isn't changing. His um, uh, three-point percentage likely not changing next season. Probably not for a little bit until he really works on that shot and changes it. And I don't think that's something that's going to be done over one off season. It seems like it's going to take a while. So this is a guy who needs to learn to add more to his offensive game. And it's going to come from the aggression. And that aggression only improves if he gets the line and starts hitting free throws, which he's not going to do because he's scared of missing them because he shoots under 50% from the free throw line here. So you can see how it's kind of a vicious cycle, a vicious circle that's going on with Lonzo Ball. He needs to get to the line to improve his free throw shooting and show he can make more, but he's too scared to try and get there because of the bad free throw shooting. So how is he supposed to improve that aggression if it's kind of predicated off of that? And it is. I'm not sure. Maybe, again, it's getting in transition. Alvin Gentry and the coaching staff are going to have their hands cut out for him with it. But this is an area that he can improve going into next season. That shot's not going to come around overnight. But this can, and this can help make him deadly in the half court with the Pelicans. And they're going to want to get to the line. It's just going to make Zion's life easier, too. And this is something the team hasn't traditionally done a ton of. So they're in an opportunity to really instill this in their players. Or we're going to kind of see a similar thing to past seasons where despite all the bigs you have and how good they are, you're not taking advantage of them getting to the line and the easy points that it gives you. So this is something that Lonzo will, again, only average one free throw attempt per game last year. That's horrible. Needs to dramatically improve upon. By the way, per 36 minutes for Lonzo last year, just 1.2 attempts. So not much better. Easy way for him to improve, get to the free throw line, hit those shots. That's a stroke, a shot that he needs to try and get better. We're going to see how this goes. It's been rough. Um, Like I said, 41.7% from the line last year. If you can improve that, this guy has a very high ceiling here in New Orleans. So before we get to the Dallas Mavericks and why they're a team to really keep an eye on in free agency, especially with the rumors about them uh, coming out yesterday as we really ramp everything up, don't forget, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast through whatever way you get your podcast from. We're here Monday through Friday bringing you everything you want to know about this team. There's tons of new listeners. You guys need to hit that subscribe button. Please also leave a five-star review. Helps keep this free and five days a week for you all, especially because we don't normally go five days a week this deep into the offseason with everything. It's that exciting of a time. This momentum is going to keep going. Know all about your new favorite NBA team, the Los Angeles Pelicans. So again, subscribe and please leave a five-star rating. Testing, one, two, three, as this ramps up in volume. Cool, we're good to go in three, two, one. So the Dallas Mavericks have been a name mentioned in all the free agency rumors coming up. They're supposedly going to sign a guy like Al Horford, 
Maybe they make a run at Kemba Walker now all of a sudden. That came as a bit of a surprise as well. And they're also going to bring back Kristaps Porzingis on a max deal. That one doesn't shock us given what they traded for him at the NBA trade deadline and really kind of putting their all eggs or all their eggs in his basket. But what about the other stuff and what to make of that? So say this is true. They can't get to that salary number that they'd need for Kemba Walker without making some other moves. You can renounce a number of guys, but you still need to try and clear some salary. And, well, who might be willing to take on that salary but our New Orleans Pelicans here because that $32 million isn't going to get all used in free agency as we've talked about this week. So they're in prime position to potentially take on some salary dumps. And there's two guys with the Dallas Mavericks that if they are really interested in making a run at Kemba Walker, that they would like to move. Both of those guys coming from New York in the trade that sent out or that brought them in, Chris Tapps Porzingis. The first being Courtney Lee. Courtney Lee next year is on the books for a little uh, $12.75 million. That's a lot of money that they'd like to clear. They don't really have a need for him, particularly if they're going after a guy like Kemba Walker. If you can get that cap room, you absolutely do it. Would the Pelicans be willing to take him on? It's one year, so certainly it's just renting the Pelicans cap space, and Dallas could attach some maybe future assets or a young player. We'll look at that in a second. The other guy, which may be the more intriguing one to Pelicans fans, is Tim Hardaway Jr. This is a guy who signed a mammoth deal with the New York Knicks a couple of years ago. He's getting paid $18.150 million next season, and then he's got a player option for almost $19 million in 2021, which he's almost certainly going to take in because he's not going to get anywhere near a four-year $71 million contract again. Is his production worth, one, just he's a useful veteran, but is that worth bringing into the team? Guy who's got a bit of a gunner style to him, but per game is pretty good. Last year total in the NBA, 18.1 points per game, 2.4 assists, 3.4 rebounds, did it while shooting 34% from deep. Not great, not horrible. And a little bit under 40% from the field, but 18.1 points on 15.3 shots per game. Okay. Could he kind of run with your second unit? Is this the other type of guard maybe that you want to bring in? You know, probably not. There's not enough ball maybe to go around New Orleans all of a sudden if you have this. And it's not going to make the most sense for the team in terms of an on-court fit. But what if Dallas attaches something to it? This is a team that's certainly looking to dump one or both of these guys going into this offseason. The problem is they don't have any first-round picks. They can trade away for a while. They own their own first-round pick in 2020, but because the next pick is owed to the Knicks, they can't trade that until they make that selection potentially on draft night. So you're a year away from them really being able to make sort of any move with their first round picks. Basically, um, the Knicks own the one in 2021, then they own the one in 2023, which is top 10 protected. Otherwise, it conveys or, or jumps to the next couple of years where it could be a top 10 protected pick again and again for Dallas should they be bad. They just don't have future draft capital to include in any future deal. So are there any young guys on the team that the Pelicans might be interested in? You've got Maxi um, Kleba, who is an intriguing guy, 6'11". He's kind of known as the future Dirk, the mini Dirk, if you will, since he's from Germany too, and grew up idolizing Dirk. 
and kind of does a lot of what you'd want. He's a stretch big at times, um, shoots decently well from three. He shot 50 or sorry, 35.3% from deep has a lot of traits of Dirk in there, but he's young. He's also going to be a restricted free agent. So it need to be a sign and trade, which complicates things. But what a guy like maybe Jalen Brunson, who was taken in the second round back in the 2018 draft. Guy in his one year in Dallas, somewhat impressed. 9.3 points per game, along with 3.2 assists, 2.3 rebounds. Shot pretty good from three, almost 35%, so all right, from three. And did that scoring on just 7.7 shots per game. It's a guy who could be intriguing to help make it palatable to take on a deal like Courtney Lee if you don't want to go and get another guard in free agency and you're going to feel comfortable trying to develop him too. Given what the Pelicans are looking to do in the youth of the guards on the roster, likely not going to happen, but Dallas is going to be a team that is looking to almost wheel and deal if they're going to make a run at Kemba Walker, and really, they're going to need to move some of these guys if he decides he's going to sign there. So, it's a team that's a division rival, but the Pelicans could take advantage of given the cap space situation that they have. So before we get to the changes coming to the Pelicans broadcast on both radio and TV, when you get in your car in the morning, on your way to work, on your way home from work, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Pelicans. You'll get the latest episode. That's the phrase, play podcast Locked on Pelicans to get the latest edition of the podcast. We're here Monday through Friday for you all. No one else bringing you content like this covering your now favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. So there's going to be some changes for the Pelicans TV and radio broadcast next year. Some exciting moves. We're saying some bye or bye to some really good people as well. Let's start with the radio. Gone is going to be Sean Kelly as he's taken a national gig. Good for him. Way to kind of just get on the national scene. He's been doing a lot of baseball, a lot of NFL games as well. We're going to be sad to see him go. Friend of the podcast who's been on the show at times before was tremendous with his calls. Always loved listening to him on the radio when I would either have to leave the game early or miss it due to whatever reason. And he's going to be certainly missed in, and I'm very excited about this, by the way, comes Todd Graffanini, the former voice of the Tulane Green Wave. As a Tulane alum, it's very cool to see him getting this gig with the Pelicans. This is a dude who is so passionate and puts so much energy into his calls that it is going to be a lot of fun to listen to on the radio. He would get some national attention for some of the calls he did for New or, or for the Tulane when they have a big win, whether it was basketball or football or even baseball. And we're going to get all of that passion and excitement here on the radio broadcast for the Pelicans next year. He's going to be coming on the podcast certainly at some point. So big congrats to our good friend Todd. I'm excited for him. We also found out there's going to be some changes to the Pelicans TV broadcast. All of a sudden, it's going to be David Wesley out and incoming will be Antonio Daniels. No word on what's going on with David Wesley yet, but we're going to miss him. He was a lot of fun on the broadcast, clearly enjoying himself, and you could kind of carry that through watching games while listening to him. A lot of fun. Really going to be sad to see him go. Antonio Daniels has been doing some studio analyst work with Fox Sports Southwest. He was on with the Houston Rockets, Dallas Mavericks too, as well as the Oklahoma City Thunder and New Orleans. He is going to be, I think, excellent next to Joel Myers doing the play-by or doing the color commentary for the TV broadcast. You like that former player experience out there, and he is also a guy who's going to shoot you straight. He's going to let you know exactly how he's feeling with the Pelicans. He does not hold back. Sometimes that's great. 
there's going to be good times and bad times next season, and you want the truth being told to you, Antonio Daniels is going to be the guy to do it. No other word yet on if there are any other changes coming. I know it's going to be sad to see both David Wesley and Sean Kelly leave the team, but I'm excited for the new people they are bringing in. So it's going to be a bit of a different atmosphere for the Pelicans next season, not just with Zion and no AD on the court, but you're going to be able to hear it and see it, I guess, as well at times during the year. So we'll see if there's going to be any other changes, like if maybe they'll make some changes to the home and road jerseys or what jerseys they're going to wear the majority of the time. I know people are hoping for some changes there. I'll let you know as soon as we find out what's going to be going on with that. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Sorry for the drop in audio quality today. Again, on the road for work, recording with a headset in my hotel room. So I'm not, not to yell too loudly. Security hasn't come and knock on the door just yet. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.